Good morning, folks. Today is Thursday, August 4th. Welcome to episode 168 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 30 minutes, and I will be keeping it tight today, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize this in your industry, get value, <clears throat> be better at your job, help reduce risk for your org, or if you're looking to break in the industry, I guarantee you, you're going to get asked, how do you stay current in cybersecurity? This is going to be a fantastic answer. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, the one and only Barricade Cyber Solutions over here. Barricade Cyber Solutions is where it's at for incident response. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack. And more importantly to your boss, get your business back on track. If you don't have an incident response playbook or idea of what to do if you get punched in the mouth by a threat actor, definitely consider connecting with Barricade Cyber. There's a link in the show description below. You can just book time with Eric, their CEO, and have a casual conversation about how to handle business. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications like a CISP system, et cetera, that require CPEs, each episode of the daily cyber threat briefing is worth half a CPE. So that stacks, right? Two and a half a week. If you've been with us since Monday, you know, you got this will be two. Tomorrow will be two and a half. It's roughly 10 a month. Good times. Most certs require 20 a year minimum. Typically, you got to do about 40 a year because there's 120 for a three year period. I'm telling you, you hang with us, you could knock out all your CPs for, for you know, the, the three year cycle uh, in a very short time. So just be sure to say what's up in chat. Hello, hashtag team live. If that's your speed, um, where you're coming from, maybe we'll do the international bingo today and see if we can get all the continents uh, minus Antarctica always uh, representing. So if you're, if you're coming from somewhere, which all of us are, drop it in chat. I'd love to see where you're coming from. If you are watching on replay, hashtag team replay in chat. Got my Team Replay love today. All week it's been about Team Replay as we've been raffling off World of Haiku license keys and making sure that our friends that are on Team Replay are able to participate as well. And as I always say, if you are on Team Replay, then you have the benefit of time travel. If you want to get right into the news and skip the formalities, the pleasantries that is the first 90 seconds of the show, go ahead and just skip ahead, dot, 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 maybe 30 second clicks. I'll be doing pleasantries for the next minute or two. Uh, but you, if this play card turns into different slides, that means we're off and running with the news. But for the next 90 seconds or so, I am going to be having my coffee and welcoming my friends, the Simply Cyber community, into chat. Good morning, Alfredo. Good morning, Sackmeister. Good to see you from Pittsburgh. What's up, Cybersecurity Central? I know you're representing Miami for the players play, right? What's up, Kevin Lanzinger on LinkedIn? Justin Loken, my man. Good to see some regulars, everybody regular. Joel Belton, I thought Joel Belton was going to be team replay. No ice cream. Hey, sure funny. Been listening for two days and hooked. I love it. Welcome to the party, my man. Nigeria in the house. So we've got Africa on board. North America's representing. I know we've got some UK brother in. Is Liam up in here? Not only IT, you did not win. Oh, I did. Yeah, so I played Red versus Blue yesterday. I was a threat actor. I took down Cyber Matt Lee by blowing up his HMI. Very, very good times. 
Oh, I see. Thanks, Joel, for clarifying that. Guys, today will be an expedited episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. We will touch on all the things we always do, but I do have to take my pup to a dog appointment, so I will um, I will be keeping it minimum. I, I will be keeping the spice to more of like a black pepper spice, kind of like you know light paprika. Not we're not going full cayenne up in here this morning. Will Reed, thanks for the smash the like button. I appreciate that, guys. Just a reminder. Um, I don't really pump this very often, but if you're interested in, you know, a team replay gear, hats, uh, mugs, whatever, if you want Simply Cyber shirt to represent right now, um, it's 20% off in the merch store. The, the platform I use is called Spreadshop, and they basically decide when um, uh, uh, promotions happen like uh, 20% off, 15% off, all these things. So I don't, I don't, it's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm going to do 20%. It's just like, they're like, oh, your stuff's all 20% off now, which is kind of cool. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can go to simplycyber.io slash store or hit hash, uh, exclamation point merch in chat, and that should bring it up. Thanks, Kimberly. I appreciate that. Oh boy, guys. So real quick, if you want, and I'm going to tell you this and then we're going to get rolling. Okay. If you want to enter the raffle for the World of Haiku license key today, you have to go to Discord, go onto the giveaway channel, and enter by hitting the emote. I'm going to show a quick 15-second video to visually communicate to people how to do this because there was some confusion, but this is the only way that I can ensure that Team Replay gets to play along as well. All right, there's, a, there's about uh, 40 minutes left, so you could have entered yesterday. Um, but here's the quick little video. Enter to win, and then we're going to get going with the stories. Hit the invite. You're in the Simply Cyber Discord. The giveaway channel. All right, there you go. That's how you do it, everybody. So good luck to uh, all those who win. We've had some great winners this week, and I'm looking forward to our live guest later today, the CEO of World of Haiku, the man behind the vision that is that game, is going to be joining us, um, and, and really, really cool guy, and we're going to get into it. All right, so sit back, relax, and let's dive in to the daily news. Oh, hold on. You guys definitely can't hear that. August 4th, 2022. Now you can, right? Ukraine takes down a massive bot farm. Make Ukrainian sure cyber that. police dismantled a bot farm near Kiev they found to be used to host over 1 million bots. The operators used the bots to discredit information from Ukrainian state sources and promote Russian propaganda. Part of the operation used 5,000 SIM cards to register new social media accounts. The operators also used 200 proxy servers to spoof IP addresses for the bots, apparently using custom firmware to remotely manage its legion of fake accounts. Authorities believe the farm's operator works for Russian special services. Thinks they work for Russian special services? Come on. Guys, a million bot botnet that has every modern um, control circumvention that's very difficult. Like thousands of SIM cards. You know what you can't do? Be a regular person and go to Best Buy and buy thousands of SIM cards, right? Or be able to operationalize that. This was definitely a, you know, 
This is a nation state threat actor level thing. Like when we talk about nation state threat actors, yeah, like North Korea can send a phishing email the same as, you know, Joe Bob or, you know, uh, John Kyle. John, you're in chat right now, so I'm, I'm calling you. John Kyle can send a phishing email just the same as Lazarus Group. But when you're doing something like this, like very coordinated mission objective, misinformation, propaganda campaigns with, you know, basically, um, denial of service type uh, circumvention and you know like i changing the ip addresses and everything like that that is that is very coordinated the level of logistics and operational maintenance to keep up an operation like this is impressive so no surprise though this this to me is a perfect example of a first world cyber power flexing its muscle uh, so very interesting. I'm glad that Ukraine was able to take it down. Obviously, a million bots can really, you know, smash the like button on, uh, you know, propaganda or misinformation, some type of news story or news outlet that is spinning uh, a message the way that uh, those who control it want to do. So that's why, you know, careful what you read on the Internet, right? Thousands of Solana wallets drained. Threat actors began conducting an ongoing attack against the popular crypto ecosystem, targeting Internet-connected wallets. The attackers appear to be able to steal both Solana's own cryptocurrency as well as those compatible with its blockchain, like the stablecoin USD coin. Independent analysts estimate losses at at least $8 million so far, although it's unclear when this attack could end. Attackers accessed wallets operated by third parties like Phantom and Slope. Solana devs say this doesn't appear to be an issue with its core code, and no evidence suggests attacks against hardware wallets. Emerging details on the attack suggest it's a supply chain attack against iOS and Android apps. Wow. Okay. Again, another day and I don't have the Charles Finfrock sounder, but we'll do a couple Mario coins for crypto for, for a little bit. Okay. So guys, it's another, it's another day. It's another crypto hack. Okay. Now Solana says it's not part of their core code. And the story says supply chain in iOS. Like I'm what? Um, maybe the only thing I could think of is that it's not the Solana chain, but it's the actual um, app the wallet apps that people are using, but the fact that it's able to attack not just Solana, but all cryptos that use the Solana backend or blockchain or whatever. Like some of these coins have their own black backend, kind of like the way like Ethereum is a coin, but it's also its own like blockchain and other coins can use Ethereum for registering transactions and stuff like that. Uh, this is all part of that. Again, guys, I'm telling you, you have to be, Wicked careful and have a clue what you're doing if you're going to be messing around in this crypto space, which, by the way, I think is complete um, Charlotte and Central, major fraud everywhere. Um, so I'm sure that there will be more uh, information on this particular story. If you were affected by this, I'm sure you really want to know what happened. But how can you have, like, the only thing I'll say about this, and this is um, more cybersecurity related, right? Like, how, if you, if you use, if you just got robbed, right? How can you have any more confidence ever in using Solana or using your wallets or anything like that or crypto possibly, right? They said $8 million was stolen, but like, let's say that you had 40 grand and you were like riding the crypto wave and you're talking about like, you know, Ferrari 358s in a couple of years and you, you get, you know, you, you push, you cash in your retirement or something like that, right? Like there's no way you're going to be like, oh man, I got robbed. I guess... I'll just go, I'll just double down on this and go all in and hopefully it won't happen again, right? Like to me, 
your confidence is completely shaken. And this is this is really unfortunate. And But you know what? It's actually not uncommon. We see these stories all the time. All right, Riza coming in from France. So we've got Europe, Africa, North America. If we have any Asia, um, Australia, New Zealand, or South America, holler at me. Uh, you may have already said it in chat, and I didn't see it, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to look at it after the show. Blockchain forensics, yeah. I mean, so Luis, there is, uh, you know, obviously that's the the benefit of blockchain is that everything's recorded and you can replay it. Um, so the hack wouldn't capture what the blockchain uh, the blockchain wouldn't capture what the hack is, but it's worth noting that wherever the money went out of the Solana wallets, they went into somebody else's wallet. But unfortunately, um, all right, Australia's up in here, Middle East. Thanks, Hamza. Thanks, Kraka. Here, here's the problem. Um, bad guys know that we know that we can track it on the blockchain. So they have these things called mixers and spinners and, you know, which are like sus services that will basically take, you know, it's basically for threat actors to wash or launder digital currency. Uh, and say what you will, but... You know, even look at um, Google, if you're interested in more in this story, Google Binance, which is a major uh, platform in the United States, or it might be global, for doing crypto transactions and stuff like that. Binance was recently just slapped um, for not being thorough in validating who's opening accounts. And it was basically, uh, you know, reported that they were being used for money laundering, specifically uh, North Korea and that Axie Infinity Ronin $560 million attack a couple months ago. Uh, so check that out. Yeah, you need a hard uh, offline wallet. If you, if you really want to do it right, that's the way to do it. Put your keys in a hard line off wallet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is funny. So Ahmad, it took Binance two years to verify him. Yet the crypt, uh, criminal orgs are like just running, running rampant in there. Semicron hit by cyber attack. The German manufacturer of semiconductors for electric vehicles and industrial automation systems confirmed the partial encryption of our IT systems and files likely due to ransomware. Semicron, based in Nuremberg, claims to power 35% of wind turbines globally and has not said whether there was a ransom demand or who was behind the attack. Bleeping computer sources say LV ransomware hit the company and Semicron itself indicated the attackers attempted a double extortion technique. The company did not disclose direct impacts to customers or employees. With the state of the global semiconductor supply chain, any disruption could carry outsized impact to the EV industry. All right. So the link in the story did not take us to the actual uh, Techron, uh, Semicron uh, semiconductor story. But um, you should just know this was reported yesterday. They said that it was, um, you know, operations were down. They were trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Uh, now they're reporting that it was, in fact, a ransomware incident. This company, they make semiconductors. I was kind of uh, generic about uh, supply chain impact and all these other things. Apparently, they make semiconductors for wind farms. So now, um, just to, to make this like a fun cybersecurity spin, it is possible that this was an act of hacktivism, right, which we don't talk about very often. When you're talking about threat actors, and this is for the um, the people looking to break in the industry, this is good to know. When we're talking about the taxonomy of threat actors, there's like certain kind of avatars that the threat actor is. Like, I don't care if you're Russian, if you're, you know, Pakistani, uh, American, like it doesn't matter where you're coming from. Um, 
your intentions kind of in your capabilities define who you are, right? So there's, and it's it's finite. There are nation state threat actors that are ideologically and politically motivated. Excuse me, not ideologically. Uh, Nation state threat actors like you know United States, Russia, North Korea, APTs. They are all politically motivated, right? They are capabilities of a nation state. Then there are cyber criminals. They are financially motivated. This is like Revol and, and most ransomware threat operated gangs, right? Carters back in the day from Romania. Then there are hacktivists, which don't happen all the time, but when they do, they're very, very loud. Anonymous is really a well-known hacktivism. This Ukrainian IT army, you could argue, is a hacktivism. Um, there's been attacks on Boston Children's Hospital back in the day um, related to hacktivism. And it's basically ideologically motivated where you're attacking an organization or a initiative or whatever uh, because you don't agree with them, right? This one could be that way because there are a lot of people who are like, um, not to say they're anti-climate, but they're, they're um, pushing back a little bit on, you know, like some of these narratives that I feel are very obvious, like climate change as a, as a reality. Uh, but some people push back, maybe, you know, like as a long reach, you know, maybe they work in a West Virginia coal mining town and coal mining's going down, obviously, people losing jobs, it's destroying the town, and these windmill farms are taking over, seen as the enemy, right? So maybe attacking them uh, might dent <laughs> might dent the EV market and the... Um, the windmill farm market, right? Uh, obviously, this is a bit of a straw man argument. I'm just, I'm just pointing it out there as a case study on explaining hacktivism as a factor in who your threat actors are, right? Then there's obviously um, like insider threats, disgruntled employee, th those type of things. And then if you want, this gets a little wishy-washy. The fifth one that I like to call out are script kitties. And that those are people who are driven more by curiosity or interest or really don't understand what they're doing, but get... They know enough effectively to be dangerous. They know how to click and click and click, right? That Carmen ransomware as a service is designed for those people. That's 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 your that's my taxonomy. That's the Jerry Osher Simply Cyber taxonomy on threat actors. The more you know. Robinhood fined over regulatory lapses. The trading app's cryptocurrency division received a $30 million fine from the New York State Department of Financial Services, its first crypto-focused enforcement action. The department found that Robinhood violated the state's anti-money laundering and cybersecurity regulations, finding it inadequately staffed its money laundering compliance program and still used a manual monitoring system. Robinhood also erroneously claimed it maintained full compliance with New York state law and failed to meet consumer protection requirements by not operating a separate phone number for customer complaints. Aside from the fine, Robinhood must retain independent consultants to evaluate its steps to remediate these issues. All right, hold on. All right, so KRS-One's coming after you. So, guys, this is funny. Like, I, I literally just said, like, two stories before or something about this, about Binance and money laundering and all this other crap. Robinhood getting slapped for $30 million um, because they're not following practices, right? Surprise, surprise. By the way, I have no love for Robinhood. They were going to be like, oh, we're, we're, we're for the, date, we're for the uh, retail trader. We're for the little guy. And then with that um, GameStop, Wall Street bets shenanigans where they like froze people's wallets and stuff. Uh, obviously, these guys are backed by wealthy, wealthy investors, investment bankers, all these things. Uh, and, you know, spoiler alert, this is the way that the world works, at least in capitalism. 
uh, people who are backing things, people with influence, people with money, power, et cetera, kind of make decisions. <laughs> and they're able to pull levers, as I like to say. So Robinhood's getting slapped around for $30 million because they had all sorts of infractions. Um, you know, money, anti-money laundering laws, which are probably the obvious ones. They like to throw salt in an open wound. They got knocked, they got knocked for not having a phone number to call um, for people to uh, drop in tips. No surprise. Here's here's the thing, guys, right? I'll just say this and keep on moving. Good morning, Leslie. Good to see you. Hey, here's something I'll tell you real quick. $30 million means nothing to Robin Hood, okay? I hate to sound flippant. $30 million would change my life, right? I'd, I'd still do the Simply Cyber Daily Set Briefing, but I would be on a beach and I would have like, I'd have the most ridiculous studio. I'd have like Good Morning America, type studio, but it would just be me. Maybe friends, like Simply Cyber Community, we we do like a live audience thing. Who cares? I'd be like $30 million, right? Like what like that's that's F U money, right? So but for them, dude, they they got investors who are like individually dropping more than 30 million. So with all due respect, I appreciate it. I mean New York, like any regulator can't just strangle them and charge a fine commensurate with like whatever the annual revenue is of the business because that's not truly fair although we see that with HIPAA fines all the time but 30 million dollars I mean you just slow down I mean what like really and again maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about I'm talking or I don't know what the I'm talking about but listen I don't think 30 million dollars even comes up at a board meeting (laughs) uh, as far as an infraction okay uh, we'd have to check the uh, the annual revenue. I wonder if I can do this really quickly. Not not to derail everybody, but Robinhood app annual revenue 2021. Let's see what happens. Robinhood reports fourth qu- just as just the fourth quarter results. Okay, total net revenue for the quarter increased to 363 million dollars. Okay, so just for Q4 last year, they were hit for 10% of just one quarter, right? Now, I'm not saying that 10% of a quarter is a big deal, but guys, they've been screwing around for years. So how much money did they make off of not stopping money laundering? Do you see what I'm saying, right? It's the cost of doing business. It's like a bunch of people with nice suits on making a decision. Hey, do we do we do what we're supposed to do or do we not? Well, how much money if we don't? Well, we could probably make a half a billion dollars. What would the fines be? I don't know, 30 million? Okay, let's do that. See how long we can roll. All right, let's say thanks to CISO Series. And now thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Hyas. Cyber criminals try their hardest to cover their tracks, but no matter what, they always leave a trail. Hyas Insight gives you access to all the data you need to trace an attack back to its source. This helps you map out the complete attack campaign infrastructure, letting you proactively defend against future attacks and even potentially provide key data to law enforcement. Take your cybersecurity investigations further than you ever thought possible with Hyas Insight. Visit Hyas.com. That's H-Y-A-S.com. Wow. Did you guys hear what that product does? Like, That's good for somebody like Eric Taylor, but if you're a business and you're trying to track back who your threat actor's infrastructure is and, and like, I don't know, hack back, you may want to think twice about that. If you don't know what you're doing, you really don't want to be sticking... You really don't want to stick your foot or reach down into a fire ant hill and see if you can pull something out. 
unless you know exactly how to wear those gloves. Holy crap. Uh, interesting product. I think that they have a niche market, though. I want to say what's up and thank you to World of Haiku, right? World of Haiku is this future, you know, near future cyberpunk kind of game. Uh, it's on Steam right now. We've been playing it on stream. It definitely um, helps teach you basic Linux skills and some, you know, uh, fundamental pen testing skills. We have the CEO, Eric Basu, on later today at 4.30 p.m. So if you do simplycyber.io slash streams, which is the URL at the top in the overlay at the, you know, the header of this uh, feed, you can go there. You'll see this play card. Come join us. It'll be a live about an hour long. We'll get into them. Hopefully we, we can get some uh, license keys raffled off um, and just really talk to him. He is a former Navy SEAL, which I do want to ask him about since I've been watching him the terminal list on Amazon Prime with Chris Pratt. Fantastic show, by the way. If you guys are looking for like a really good, well done action show, it's a little little on the dark side, little graphic, but uh, pretty well done. Um, the point is to talk to him about World of Haiku, but how you know, like how often do I get to meet a, a Navy SEAL? So so we'll get into that with him. Um, again, enter the raffle um, on the Discord server in order to win a license key to the game. Right now we have 72 people and it will be drawn at 8.45 a.m. So good luck to everybody. Again, simplycyber.io streams to find uh, a link to this particular upcoming broadcast. India withdraws personal data protection bill. Back in 2019, Indian lawmakers introduced the Personal Data Protection Bill, which sought to provide explicit rights to Indian citizens over use of their data. This included data sovereignty provisions for data deemed sensitive, including financial, biometric, and health information. Critics argued the bill provided too large of exemptions for government departments and large organizations. Since being introduced, legislators proposed 81 amendments and received 12 recommendations from industry groups. India's IT minister, Ashwini Vashna, said it will present a new bill that better fits into a comprehensive legal framework. Okay, I don't have any uh, frame of reference to know if 81 edits <laughs> to a bill is a lot, normal, or not really a lot. Here's what I think. I think it's a lot. I think, and we heard about this bill like maybe three months ago, six months ago, guys. This is the bill where it was like you had like, I don't know, something stupid, like eight hours to report a breach and, you know, like big tech was going to be in scope. Right. So like Meta and uh, Google and all these things, Apple. And they like they like released it and they were about to vote on it. And big tech basically flexed their money and was like, no, like you are in you are out of your mind. You are dumb for real. I need that sound bit. I need that one. Um, so it got pushed back. Like it was reported like the next day, like, oh, it's, it's going to get some edits. And now a couple months later, it pops up and it's got 81 edits. Obviously some legislator in this government put a bill out without talking to anyone, didn't get any like, uh, consent or, or public sector information or, you know, private sector information. Um, I don't know if they had an agenda. Maybe they were being funded by somebody. Who knows? I mean, again, with politics, you, you really want it to be all about civil service and a public servant. And in reality, in the modern political ecosystem, maybe at the local level, it's that way. But the first time there is a taste of authority and power, money finds you, right? Special interest groups find you. <laughs> Lobbyists find you. 
And then it, you know, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a, that's why they say when you run for an office, I don't care what level office it is. There's a war chest. There's a load of money, right? There's a of money that you need to even compete to be able to win. It doesn't matter if you would be the best candidate, if you can't pay to play, right? So anyways, um, this individual or group of individuals, long story short, we'll see how it gets voted now that there's 81 edits. I mean, that's like basically a new piece of legislation. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, it doesn't really affect us. If you are watching and you are in India, please chime in on how this is being reported on and how this is being portrayed as uh, impacting you on a day-to-day, -day, either as a citizen of India or as a cybersecurity professional operating within uh, India's legislative scope. And, and by the way, really quick, I'm not like super culturally smart on these things, but like, I know India is like a continent or pff, Jesus, that was dumb. India isn't a, like, I would cut that out if this was a produced video. India is a country, but within the country, there's different kind of like states and, and regions that have their own kind of legislation and legal frameworks and stuff like that. So when this says India, I don't know if they can push down a countrywide law and then the individual nation states within can can do things kind of the way the United States is the federal and then the state level government. So not 100% sure, but anyways, this one's definitely got all messed, all, uh, all, all tuned up, and it's basically new legislation. UK greenlights a vast acquisition. The country's competition and markets authority granted provisional authority for Norton LifeLock to acquire its antivirus competitor. The two companies announced plans for an $8.1 billion merger last August. The CMA argued the acquisition would not hurt overall competition in the UK, given the significant competition that would remain on the market, including McAfee. The CMA will take responses from third parties on its provisional approval on the deal until August 24th before issuing a final report on its decision. All right, a couple things. couple things. One, uh, unrelated to uh, cybersecurity, but like I bought a computer. I'm building a computer from Build Redo, right? Never heard of them before. They got forwarded to me by a friend who like, uh, you know, knows more about tech than I do now. I used to build computers a million years ago. I feel like I need to qualify this. I just, I don't have time. I don't do it. I just buy computers now instead of building them. So I don't know what, what's current. Um, I buy a computer, so I've already invested. You don't need to sell me. And now if you guys have noticed, like it's like build, redo ads all the time in my feeds. Okay, so let me just push that aside. Second thing I want to point out, the story here that I want to share is like, okay, whatever. Norton LifeLock is going to acquire Avast. Avast is like an antivirus signature uh, company. I always felt like Avast was like a great free option for end users, right? You go over to like, you know, your aunt's house or whatever, and she's got a new computer. You want to set her up with something because it is Windows. Uh, you know, you, you, th you drop Avast on there, right? Or AVG, I think it was back in the day. Anyways, Norton's acquiring them, so they're just building a bigger portfolio. Twofold here. Norton gets whatever like secret sauce Avast has, and Norton consumes a competitor, so now they own that market share. Brilliant move. This is, you know, Fortune 500 corporate 101 moves. The thing I want to point out, and uh, I don't know if anyone else wants to LOL with me on this one, but like, I... And this is completely my opinion. I have uh, like whatever disclaimer, libel, take whatever you want, research however you feel. 
I always thought Norton sucked. Back in the day, Norton used to come. Norton or Semantic used to come all the time. And guys, anyone with gray hair is going to know what I'm talking about. Like if you bought a Gateway PC or Hewlett Packard or Packard Bell, if you want to go way back, I owned all of them. Um, like you would get Norton or Semantic and they were like bloated. They were slow, sluggish, not super effective. They They just sucked. They were like basically like brand new machine, like slick new uh, body, right? And then you've got this like parasite stuck on the side, just sucking up your precious resources. And when we're talking like 256 megabytes of RAM, like, and that's screaming fast, you know what you don't need? You don't need Norton consuming like 40% of your RAM. Okay. So I always thought that product was trash. So the fact that they're still in business and then LifeLock, LifeLock's the company that that CEO put his social security number on the on the truck and drove around New York city and then swore that his identity would be protected. And then he got uh, pwned like 14 times in a row, like in a month. Right. So like that company, I don't understand how they're still around. Probably, you know why they're probably still around. So Norton buys them. So now we got two companies that I think are not good merging. There's so many like, Hey, your, 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 your data is super important to us. We suffered a breach. Here's a year of free, free to you cybersecurity monitor, um, uh, credit monitoring. That's probably LifeLock's business model. They're selling to businesses that have to buy identity theft protection, not because it's a good product, but because they need to appease their customers who are ultimately the victims of their data breaches. All right. Long, lo like rant over. As I me mentioned, these are just my opinions uh, based on my experience. Um, I, you know, no libel here. Do your own research. Norton might be great for you and your situations. In mine, they were not good. Um, and I thought LifeLock was a mess. <laughs> so the fact that... Here's, here's my TL uh, or my final thought. The fact that they have capital to acquire Avast is stunning to me. You know what I mean? Like, guys, if you're in the Simply Cyber Squad, this right here, this is where you use that dumpster emote. <laughs> the dumpster on fire emote. Uh, that's 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 why I put that there. Coding issue impacts credit scores. The Wall Street Journal sources say the credit firm Equifax provided inaccurate credit scores on millions of U.S. consumers seeking loans over a three-week period. From mid-March through early April, a technology coding issue caused inaccurate credit scores, although Equifax said it believes this impacted loan decisions on a small number of applicants. One bank speaking to the journal said during the period, 18% of applicants received incorrect scores, while an auto lender reported 10%. Equifax informed banks of the error in May. The company said it fixed the issue impacting legacy applications. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the bank fixed the issue. How many... Okay, so, like, let, let's champion the little man, okay? Or little woman, right? Let's be inclusive here. The bank... Equifax sent notes to the bank and they fixed the issue. How many of the banks do you think went back and changed the loan interest on like rate for the loans that they issued in that three month period? So I got a 6% home loan instead of the 4% because I have pristine credit and it was reported that I have trash credit, right? Over a 30 year note for a $300,000 house, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars extra that I have to pay because of a coding error, right? I... I guarantee you they didn't go back and adjust the interest rates. And for them to say that it was a small amount, okay, really? Like, that sounds that sounds great. Like, is that supposed to make me feel better? 
by the way, like a small amount, that's subjective. If they did 10 million applicants, right, and a million people are paying extra money, and it's, let's just say for the sake of argument, it's $10,000 more per screwed up credit rate on a loan note over the course of the loan. Million people screwed, $10,000 each, that's 10,000 million, right? Like whatever that is, is that $10 billion, right? I don't know, you do the math maybe. 10 billion, 100 billion, whatever, like it's probably 10 billion. My point is, this is real money. I almost think the second I heard this, a coding error, dude, to me, you know, I am like cynical Jerry from time to time, right? But my immediate, you know, P brain, red brain, red team brain immediately goes to this. Bunch of guys in a shadowy office, you know, like I know smoking is basically taboo nowadays. But like in my mind, they're all smoking cigarettes. Uh, it's like dimly lit. They're all wearing suits, but it's like smoky and hazy and stuff like that. Their faces are not illuminated, but from the neck down kind of is. And they're like, I've got an idea. Just like the ember lights up. All these, the inflation, the recession, interest rates are spiking. The housing market's trash. I got an idea. Let's put it a bug that just flexes the interest rates because they say it's crappy uh, credit score. No one's going to catch it. We'll make billions and then we'll fix it in a few months. And then they're all like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. All right, get the nerd in here. Let's fix this. Right. Give the nerd a hundred G's. Tell him to shut his mouth, her mouth. Right. I, I hate to be flippant, but like, dude, a freaking code error that changes what your credit score is. And I know it was based on the data poll and a, you know, a bunch of factors and I'm simplifying the crap out of it. But dude, this resulted period, in a lot of money for banks from human, like regular people, people in society that they didn't need to pay. That to me is coordinated theft, right? In, in a very elegant way. And you could only do it right now because interest rates are, are like so volatile right now and everybody... Like, dude, we're hearing about it in the news all the time. This is kind of the basis of where I'm coming up with this. We hear about it in the news about like price gouging and, you know, big tech or big uh, capitalism, oil, gas, all these things, like basically flexing their prices up when they don't need to because they're hiding under the cover of what is going on in our current economy, at least in the United States. I don't know how it's affecting internationally. So my mind immediately goes to that, you know, a bunch of faceless men making money when they, when they, you know, they already have like basically infinite. Large-scale phishing campaign targets Microsoft Enterprise email services. Security researchers at Threat Labs published a report detailing a large-scale phishing campaign seemingly specifically targeting enterprise end-users of Microsoft's email services. The campaign uses adversary-in-the-middle techniques similar to a campaign Microsoft itself detailed last month. The attackers targeted organizations in the U.S., U.K., New Zealand, and Australia. The attack appeared more sophisticated than typical phishing as it could get past two-factor authentication. The attackers also appear to register new phishing domains every day to further evade detection. Thanks for listening to today. Yep, you know what? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go all in and be like a real threat actor, you gotta you gotta put up I'm telling you guys, like it's not just set it and forget it. This isn't 1999. Like you need to maintain uh, your infrastructure if you're going to do a threat actor campaign. And that's what these guys did. Adversary in the middle, that's a new term for me. I'll have to research that one. 
Uh, for those people looking to break in the industry, if you look up adversary in the middle and then understand how they did it in this particular story, because everybody can wrap their head around email and email threats and phishing. If you drop adversary in the middle and this um, like large scale attack on Microsoft email services, which by the way, like wherever you're interviewing, there's like a 99% chance that they're using Office 365 with an Exchange Online server backend, right? So what you'll be saying will resonate with those people because their business runs on that. <clears throat> um, and, you know, you're basically going to blow minds, right? Probably get the job, which, you know, good on you. Love it. Um, so anyways, the story here, guys, we say a million times. This doesn't surprise me. Threat actors are now targeting Microsoft email services specifically and coming up with circumventions for that. And by the way, guys, if you can pull off a business email compromise, average business email compromise, you know, it's like sixty to eighty thousand dollars. A lot of times it's up in the six figures, like low six figures, right? One hundred and twenty, two hundred and fifty thousand. You pull off one of those, even if it took you like a month to do, two months, right? You set up all the infrastructure, you you, you knock out uh uh, an attack three-day period or whatever and you score 100 grand i mean that's not a bad payday for a month of work right I, again i'm not promoting this i don't want anyone in chat to go you know yolo and become a, a black cat threat actor i'm just stepping in the shoes of these individuals to understand their psychology their mindset motivations and you know the the return on investment is commensurate with with the level of effort and the risk that they're taking which is not very high because you can't get to them right that's that's why cyber is like such a hot market and everything because there's more threat actors because the level of risk to them is reduced. And mind you, the level of reward is higher, right? Robbing a bank in 2022 is insane. Robbing people's Solana crypto wallets? Yeah, it's it's technically difficult, but you get paid and you like you're basically in the wind. You're in the wind before you even commit the attack. You know what I'm saying? Whew. Okay, guys, so it's 842. The um, the World of Haiku is going to draw in just a minute, so I'll hang with you, and then we'll do the winner. Uh, want to let everyone know I will be at Black Hat um, and DEF CON next week. Uh, I will be there from Wednesday through Saturday. If you want to meet up, um, let me know. The Black Hat side, I will be uh, there with ThreatGen. I will tell you right now, I've got this little promo card. If you want to hit reminder, go to YouTube. I think if you do exclamation point threat gen, Nightbot will take you there um, to the threat gen YouTube channel. Uh, Clint and I, uh, the CEO of threat gen, and I'm, you know, I'm the CISO director of cybersecurity education at threat gen. We have a really big announcement that we will be live streaming at 3.30 Eastern time on what I believe Wednesday of Black Hat. So August 10th. Uh, if you guys, uh, you know, if you if you find us at Black Hat, that would be cool. I'll definitely high five you and tell you what's up. But if you can't make it, if you want to know this big uh, reveal, I'm very excited. So since I came on, I've been working on multiple initiatives um, and we have taken some of those initiatives, gone back, looked at them, refined them, propped them up, invested in them, and now... Uh, we're going to launch something very cool. And I'm, I'm like super pumped about it. Uh, so we'll be revealing that. Also, we'll be doing like takeaways from Black Hat since we'll have been there for a little bit. Um, so definitely come check it out and get the uh, get the inside scoop on a big, a big reveal, um, a big announcement, if you will. 
Also, um, just a reminder, later today, uh, Eric Basu will be my guest on Simply Cyber Live, and we'll be talking about World of Haiku, which is the license key to the Steam game that we will be giving away in just a moment. Um, also, real quick for the Defcon, uh, for the Simply Cyber community, um, we have a channel on the Discord server called Conference Meetup. We are coordinating in there. I've made a suggestion. I haven't looked at the chat uh, since I made this suggestion. But Saturday morning, some of us are executing, well, executing, some of us are going to be doing a capture the flag for Trace Labs. It's an OSENT capture the flag. We're gonna be helping law enforcement locate missing persons. That's from 10.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. local time. And immediately following that, and by the way, thank you so much to Casey Gaska, uh, Base Case, and all the, all the team members, A, for allowing me to be part of that team and kind of having like, I, I, I'm almost positive it's like a Simply Cyber community uh, team. So I'm very, very excited about that. But immediately following that, uh, we're going to be meeting up, I think, at Beer Park uh, around 3, 3.30, um, just for a social hangout. So if you are in Vegas, if you are at DEF CON and you want to come uh, have a laugh, have a smile, high five, uh, um, I'd love to meet you. Uh, hang out. Come on over there um, at around 3.30. All right, here's the raffle. One second away. Good luck to everybody. And our winner is, oh, I know this one, Cyber Kill Jane. Cyber Kill Jane is our winner. Uh, Cyber Kill Jane, congratulations on your World of Haiku license key. I know she she and I have DM'd a little bit. Uh, I did I did like that name. Uh, like it's like Cyber Kill Chain, Cyber Kill Jane. Very cool. So congratulations to Cyber Kill Jane. Connect with me on Discord to get your license key. Guys, I got to go get my dog to his appointment. You've all been wonderful. I look forward to seeing you um, at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to have to go watch Neil's interview with Eric last night uh, to make sure I don't just basically recreate Neil's stream. Got to put my own spin on it, right, guys? My own Simply Cyber vibes. Um, let me let me just uh, <laughs> throw a Grace and Sheesh out. All right, everybody, be good. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at 4.30 later today. Cheers, everyone.